Holly G with the Golf Insiders with one of our favorites from the Golf Channel and co-host of Morning Drive, Damon Hack. Good morning. Holly G, what's going on? Well, you know, this time of year we're sort of starting to lay back a little bit, Damon. It's usually the, uh, you know, end of the season and we're getting geared up for football, but no, we are getting geared up for a heck of a run of golf coming into the fall with uh, the u.s open next week the masters and we've just uh started the new season right on top of the fedex cup oh i gotta catch my breath yeah how was that uh, off season of a couple of days right it's been uh kind of like golf uh, exists in this wraparound existence but uh with this wraparound schedule you get two major championships in the fall uh, following just the one in 2020 due to COVID-19. So a lot of excitement. Obviously, this week, some eyes are on Napa and hoping for uh, a safe outcome with the wildfires. They're not far from the Safeway Open. There have been some pictures that we've seen of, of oranges, hazy skies due to smoke and fires in the San Francisco Bay Area and outside as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, yeah, next week, uh, U.S. Open at Wingfoot, one of the traditional stops where – Phil Mickelson double bogey the 72nd hole 14 years ago, but he gets a chance at redemption at the age of 50. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's uh, there's a, a priceless commercial running with Phil right now, right, <laughs> where he says, uh, hey, I never disappoint at Wingfoot. Um, he, he always pokes fun at himself, and I like that about Phil. Let me ask you your thoughts on the FedEx Cup. DJ, uh, the big, big winner pocketing the 15 million and um you know to really watch how he played you know from the pga championship well you know the travelers then he had a little bump in the road then he goes to the pga championship finishes second then you know we know the rest of it he played on just you know some very different golf courses tpc boston olympia fields in chicago and then coming to east lake we really got to see the depth and breadth of uh, DJ's game, didn't we? Well, it's a great point you make, and I spoke to Mark Rolfing today on Morning Drive, and one of his points was just how versatile DJ's game is. He isn't just a bomb and gouger, that he's very strategic and probably underrated in that respect of his ability to adjust his game for the specific golf course, so that he could win on a you know 31-under you know, TPC Boston, of course, he was the only one to, to, to reach that number and to have an 11-shot win, but to be able to downshift and compete so great as he did at uh, Olympia Fields, where he lost the playoffs to John Rahm, but then to tie it all up and win at uh, East Lake Golf Club, three very different golf courses, and really a reminder that DJ's not a one-trick pony uh, at the age of 36, feeling a sense of urgency, perhaps, what Paul Azinger told me couple weeks ago that players in their mid-30s start to see their golf mortality and they know that the time is short so you couple that with a uber talented player who was called out by uh, Brooks Kepka, and you have the makings of a fired up DJ and we're seeing more emotion from him of late a few more fist pumps uh, a few more uh, you know kind of gritting the teeth and, and I like this incarnation of Dustin Johnson I agree and um I mentioned a couple of weeks ago this new, you know, routine on the putting green. You know, he mm. he looks like a prowling tiger, and he's got a, speaking of a former tiger, and uh, that sort of Raymond Floyd stare that he's developed. 
it's really true. It's a great observation. And I think even in his post-round interviews, when he's speaking uh, to the likes of Todd Lewis, one of my colleagues, or Steve Sands, another, uh, or hopefully myself coming up next week, I'll be doing interviews at Wingfoot. Uh, he's got a little bit more of a seriousness to him, uh, a little bit of a, a, a man that's taking care of business and that realizes the importance of, of his position in the game and also acknowledging that maybe he led a couple trophies, if not uh, a couple dozen or a dozen. And according to his math, it was 20. He thought he should have double the wins uh, that instead of the 20 that he had in January. Now, of course, he has 23. He's added three, and he's speaking like a man who feels like he's let some big opportunities slip and doesn't want to let those opportunities slip in the present or the future. So we, you know, talk ongoingly about the depth and breadth of the talent on the tour. Um, you know, certainly on his heels at the FedEx Cup was, you know, the likes of JT, Justin Thomas, you know, who we know uh, was being considered as player of the year up to this point. Uh, Xander Shoffley, you know, sort of the quiet guy that, um, you know, just shows up in these big events and now has what three top tens in in the tour championship and he's you know what only been on tour since 2017 uh but do you feel dj's separating himself now from the you know the pack rom and rory what are your thoughts i i think that's still a question to be answered i feel like in the last year or so we've kind of said this is roy mcelroy it's his tour, or Brooks Kepka. Uh, he's the best player at the height of his power. Justin Thomas is the best at his best. John Rahm, and now Dustin Johnson. So I honestly think these next couple of weeks and months will tell the story. And I know it's a new season, but uh, it still feels like, and it is still 2020, the year. So I think um, those questions will be answered really at Wingfoot and Augusta uh, for me. Because uh, these are, are it's where history is made. And, and obviously history is made at the FedEx Cup as well. But uh, you're talking about someone who has one major championship in Dustin Johnson. And he knows that with Pebble in 2010 and Whistling Straits in 2010 and Chambers Bay in 2015 and the Open in 2011 and the 36-hole lead at St. Andrews in 2015 and he wasn't able to cash or contention at Shinnecock in 2018 and wasn't able to cash in those ships. So he knows that there are some big-time trophies that he's left wanting, uh, left on the table, let slip into the hands of others. So I, I want to wait to see if Dustin Johnson can add a second uh, and possibly a third major championship uh, before I'm worried to say that he's the best at his best because Wingfoot's going to ask the toughest questions that have been asked of anyone so far in 2020. Well, looking at the flip side of that equation, Brooks Kepka, who, of course, has the majors but hasn't really been able to rack up, you know, many uh, just on the tournament side, if you will. He's out for the U.S. Open uh, because yeah. of injury. Can you give us an update on that? I can. Uh, it's a big loss uh, in terms of storylines for someone who's a two-time champ, Aaron Hills and Shinnecock Hills. and really played so well last year and trying to go for the three-peat before falling short to Gary Woodland. But I uh, was texting with uh, Dr. R. Sapaya yesterday, who's worked with uh, Brooks Kepka, and, and he told me that this is a small tear uh, in the labrum, the hip labrum. So this is a, a labral tear that's something they have to work on. It, it's not the knee, it's the hip, but it's enough to keep him out of maybe his favorite championship. And it tells you that he's at least several weeks away from being able to compete 
uh, the way that he wants to, which is to be 100% or at least being able to, to be competitive. And, and it speaks volumes that, you know, a week out, he's saying he can't play. And uh, to get those uh, those uh, words from Dr. Sapaya that he was just not able to go, that they're working on this, is pretty sobering for someone who, you know, let's be honest, has been talking a big game, almost like the the policeman or the checks and balances of the PGA Tour when it comes to slow play and Bryson or talking about um, Patrick Reed's misadventures in the bunker. Uh, you know, Brooks has uh, called out DJ and challenged Rory and, I miss I'll miss having that storyline of having him in the mix with DJ and Rory just because uh, in addition to playing so so well and playing so big the last few years he's talked so big and you know what better stage in New York where he's won half his major championships a PGA at Best Page and a U.S. Open at Shinnecock so a shame we won't have Brooks Kepka uh, in New York next week. So you know Wingfoot very well, uh, having been uh, you know a, a resident of. Uh, Metropolitan New York, Big Apple area. What? Uh, who do you see that we will, you know, will be rising to the top? Do you think playing at a course yeah. like Wingfoot? It is. It is one of the toughest golf courses in the country, if if not the toughest. Um, and you have to give Dustin Johnson a lot of credit, considering how well he drives the golf ball. Right now, my two favorites who I'm struggling on on who I'm going to go with are, are John Rahm. Because I think he's just a little more outfit off the tee than, than DJ is, and DJ, as well as he's played, has had some days uh, where he's only hit a couple of fairways, and you, you can't do that at Wingfoot. I think John Rahm's a little more accurate uh, than, than Dustin Johnson off the tee. Uh, both are powerful players, and, and you need power. You also need precision. And you mentioned the other player uh, who has a World Golf Championship and who seems to contend from Hager's. Uh, like they're going out of style, but has yet to win one, and that's Xander Shoffley. Uh, I could see him kind of being in that Jeff Ogilvie, uh, Billy Casper mode uh, of someone that's not going to be the biggest name in the field, but who will walk away potentially with a national championship. So a lot of hype and attention toward DJ this week, but I'm looking at John Rahm, and I'm looking at Xander Shoffley as my two favorites uh, going into this autumn uh, U.S. Open. Well, there's also a major happening this week on the LB, LPGA Tour. We have the ANA, which got moved to, you know, the fall. And uh, this is, you know, a very, very historic tournament for the LPGA. Mission Hills Country Club, uh, this has often been considered uh, the ladies' masters, you know, it typically kicks off. Uh, the major championship season for the women. I, I'm, as you mentioned, a native Californian, uh, New York resident for a long time. I love Mission Hills. I've spent many weeks uh, in the California desert out in Palm Desert in Indio, and this is a great golf course. It always gives you great drama, especially on 18 to par 5, where we've seen Kari Webb hole out for Eagle and seen long putts made from Ari Song to get into a playoff of Grace Park. We've seen... Brittany Lincecum make Eagles to either win or get into a playoff before winning uh, on the way to winning two ANA inspirations. So uh, Lydia Coe is a past champion. Lexi Thompson, a past champion in the field. NB Park, a past champion in the field. So uh, this is going to be a great week. It's going to be very hot. You're hearing about the, the Caddies potentially being able to take carts if they want to. Uh, hydrating will be very important. And you have to imagine that whoever wins, We'll be very excited to leap into what I imagine will be a very refreshing Poppy's Pond. Well, my brother lives in Los Angeles, Damon, and uh, 
Wow, I mean, record-setting temperatures over the weekend, uh, 117 and 121 degrees. What's it going to be like in the desert? i tell you what, the one thing we used to say is that at least it's a dry heat. Yeah. You know, it could, it could, it could right. be 105 or 110, but at least they won't have the, the humidity. But i tell you what, it makes you think that maybe someone who's you know, used to dealing with hot temperatures, maybe Alexi Thompson, who already has a great record, a first, a second, a third, uh, four top five finishes there, uh, you know, may, you know, be able to adjust because he's used to playing in hot weather. She loves the golf course. A Bermuda rough now has been uh, put on the golf course as well. She grew up playing on a Bermuda grasses, of course, as a native Floridian. So, uh, you know, to be a young player, a fit player, and, and maybe someone who's comfortable on those type of grasses, and Lexi Thompson, clearly someone who kind of checks all of those boxes. Well, a lot of great golf coming up uh, this week and, and next week for sure. Before I let you go, I, I do want to get some comments from you. Um, you hosted a, a very meaningful conversation, an NBC special, Race and Sports in America. And uh, the PGA Tour last week announced some of its uh, new diversity policies, uh, you know, since the death of George Floyd in May. And, and I have to say some very disturbing, uh, you know, the story of Daniel Prude in Rochester, New York, my mm -hmm. hometown. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, your, your thoughts on, you know, where we are, um, you know, currently and uh, really, you know, this role that sports and, uh, and golf is one of them moving this conversation forward. Yeah, we've seen sports play such an important role in our history and from Jackie Robinson, uh, Muhammad Ali, Billie Jean King, Arthur Ashe. And I, and I think this is one of those moments where people are kind of looking inwardly and outwardly. They're, they're sharing ideas. And most importantly, people are talking and, and they're listening. And I think that's very important. I think we've had a, a several years of shouting. And I think we need to have uh, uh, several years of, of listening. And, I, and I, I applaud all of those who are using their platform to, to seek greater justice and, and to, to have our country live up to its creed. And I think that the PGA Tour, you know, acknowledging that the history of golf and race relationships uh, relations hasn't been great, but that there's wonderful strides that have been made and even a bigger opportunity to improve. So I believe that the likes of the PGA of America, the USGA, the RNA, and the PGA Tour are, are doing their due diligence. In my conversations with those organizations have been positive, and we at NBC and Golf Channel are doing our part uh, to explore these issues as well. So uh, an opportunity for sports uh, to do something that's always done uh, in this area, and that's to lead. Absolutely, and uh, Damon, we appreciate your efforts in that and, and being a voice in your honesty and authenticity of your own experiences. And uh, the conversation continues, and um, we really, really appreciate your time on the Golf Insiders. And uh, before I let you go, who are you picking for the Safeway? Great question. I'm going with Brendan Steele, California native, two-time winner of the Safeway Open. I was kind of going back and forth between uh, Brendan Steele and maybe Harold Varner III, breaking through for his first PGA Tour victory. Uh, he's a, a great ball striker. Uh, you got to hit fairways at, uh, at, at Safeway. So, um, But I'm going with Brendan Steele. He has such a wonderful record there. Uh, I think he's going to be a three-time winner uh, of the Safeway. Uh, at Silverado when the week is uh, all said and done. All right. Well, thank you, Damon. And um, 
Hopefully we can get a chance to catch it for a few minutes when you're up at Wingfoot next week. Have a safe trip, and we look forward to uh, tuning in to all of Golf Channel's great coverage of the U.S. Open next week. Give me a shout, and it's always a pleasure, Holly G. Thanks so much. Thank you, Damon.